Amen. Well, listen, it is good uh, to see you uh, here today, and uh, we use that just as a way to introduce our new series today entitled The Gift of God. Well, listen, it is good to see you. I know it's a rainy, uh, rainy day uh, here today, and, uh, and so many of you have, have shown up today, which I, I greatly appreciate. I hate to say this, but on rainy days, pastors have little faith in who's going to come, okay? And, uh, and so we're always impressed, and so you guys always amaze me, and, uh, and I appreciate uh, your faithfulness here today. And uh, if you are new uh, to our church and we haven't had the opportunity to connect with you, we would love the opportunity to do that uh, here today. And uh, if you're wondering, our stage doesn't always look like this. I don't preach from... A jail cell very often, and so uh, so uh, this is for our cantata here tonight, and I'm sure you picked up on that, but I am tasked with uh, not running into this uh, here today, and uh, so we will see uh, how well uh, I can stay away and that kind of thing. So I'm trying to decide, do I preach from jail or do I preach over here? I don't really know, and uh, so we will we will see how that goes. But like I said, we are kicking off a, a brand new uh, series here today entitled The Gift of God. Can we say that together? The Gift of God. And uh, this Christmas season, uh, we're going to look at this as a three-week series. Um, last week, we concluded our last uh, series or our last week of the series entitled Altered. And uh, so now we're kind of full-blown turning our attention to Christmas, as you can tell. We sing all Christmas songs here today. And I want you to know I love every single thing about the season of Christmas. How many of you, this is, you're not scared to admit it, you are full-blown Christmas. It's your favorite time of the year. Raise your hand, okay? I love it. I love everything to, to do with Christmas. Um, you know, the programs uh, here at Union Grove, we're trying to fit in as many programs in one week as we possibly can. And, and so, especially if your kids go to our elementary school, we had theirs this week. Uh, even last week, middle and high school did a thing during the day as well. And uh, and then we have our cantata here at the church, and so we are just packing it in. And I'll tell you this: I love every second of all of the programs. I love the lights. And uh, I love just uh, going around and, and looking at the lights. I know our senior adults this week uh, get to go to Tanglewood, and I love that. We make that a yearly tradition as a family uh, to go to, to Tanglewood and that kind of thing. And so I, I know many of you, how many of you have lights outside your house you've decorated? Okay, several of you. And uh, that, is, uh, that is good. And um, I know Kyle Phelps does. There's no doubt about that. And so uh, he's all into that, and he judges everybody else in his neighborhood that doesn't have them and uh it's a joke and but lights i love lights and um and i love the music i love christmas music we've been playing christmas music i'm not going to tell you when we started because some of you would judge me and uh we don't want that and uh but we love the music the family time we love movies uh, christmas movies we try to watch all the uh good holiday classics around this time of year and and uh and i just love christmas time but i also love gift giving and uh, receiving gifts is good, but I'll tell you this, when you're a child, receiving gifts is like awesome, right? I remember when my family would uh, get together, and uh, my grandmother, when I was a kid, my grandmother, uh, we always ate before gifts, right, when we got together with all my family, and so we'd all get together, and um, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, my grandmother had actually a, um, a routine that we would do, is we would eat and, uh, but before we ate, 
we would all like get in our in this small house. My parents live in this house today, and uh, and we would get in this small house and we'd hold hands and we would. I'm not kidding. And and nobody in my family is really good singers or anything. We'd sing a song like, and I'm just like, why are we doing this? You know. And as a kid, you're kind of holding hands with somebody you really don't. I mean, you're just like, hey, I just want to find out what I'm getting for Christmas and all these people that I'm with. It's like, hey, can we get this over with and, and that kind of thing? And so we would always uh, sing a couple songs, a couple hymns um, is what we usually did, and, uh, and then we would eat, and then uh, as kids, you'd be like, when are we opening presents? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like never-ending, and, and you keep telling them the same thing. You're like, just a few minutes, just a few minutes, just a few minutes, just a few minutes, and as a kid, that frustrates you. I can remember, though, the greatest gift that I, I received as a kid. I still remember this, and I carry this picture with me pretty much because this is like the most awesome thing because it's something I vividly remember wanting and, and receiving, and I'm sure you probably have some gift that comes to your mind when you're like waiting for this. This is a picture of uh, little Josh when he was young, okay, and uh, I really don't don't know what my style was, but I wore a shirt to my ankles. I don't understand why. And so when I see this picture, I'm like, what in the world was I doing? But uh, this was me. And here's what I wanted when I was young. I think I was six years old or something like that. Um, I can't really remember, maybe a little bit older than that. Um, but here's what I wanted is I wanted a Nintendo, right? And, and by the way, if, if you play video games and, uh, you know, kids, I'm talking to the kids for a few moments in here. If you play video games, nothing compares to what you are seeing in that right there, okay? And so this was where it was at. And so I wanted a regular Nintendo, and I will never forget uh, opening up that, that Nintendo and seeing it and knowing uh, that, I, that I wanted that more than anything else. And as a kid, opening up gifts was, was the thing. But then it's like you transition as you get older. And now as an adult, I love to give gifts. I love it. Like shopping for my kids and, and my wife, I love to do it. I know my wife, she always gives me a budget every single year. How many of you dads, your wife gives you a Christmas budget? Any of you want to admit that? Okay, maybe just us. But my wife says, uh, my wife says every year, hey, this is the amount that you can spend on the kids. This is the amount that you can spend on me. And, uh, and I always, like I never meet the budget. I honestly forget about the budget. And I just go all in. I love it. I love just going out and just buying stuff like crazy. Things they don't even need, and I enjoy it because we love gifts, whether that means receiving gifts or whether that means giving gifts. You see, we've all been given uh, gifts, and we love that, but I want you to know, like the video kind of introduced for us today, um, the gift that God has given us is greater, is greater than any gift that you've ever given, and it's any gift that you have ever, ever received. And, and so over these next few weeks, we are going to look, uh, we're going to look at just three specific things that God has given to you in his son, Jesus Christ. And so this time of year, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And uh, that's why we do Christmas. That's why we have a cantata. That's why we have a family Christmas service. That's why we celebrate is because Jesus came to be born to eventually die to take away the sins of the world. But as Jesus died, he has given us specifically as followers of Jesus, he's given us a few things. I mean, he's given us a lot of things. But I'll tell you, I want to boil this down to three specific gifts that God has blessed you and I with. And so today we're going to look at the first one, and it's the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. If you turn in your Bibles, Acts chapter number 2, Acts chapter number 2, you see this phrase, the gift, uh, here, and, uh, and this is, you know, what he has, has given you. So, I want to kind of bring you up to speed. So Acts chapter 2 is an, a very important uh, passage of Scripture for all of us as the church. But um, in Acts chapter 1, where you pick it up, Luke is writing this passage, and he's writing it as an eyewitness to what Jesus had done. So he had seen it. He was an actual witness, and he had seen Jesus uh, live his life here on this earth, but he also saw him ascend back up into heaven. And so Acts chapter 1, all of the, the disciples are gathered together, and they're with Jesus. Jesus had already revealed himself to over 500 men. He'd already revealed himself to the disciples a couple of times. He'd already revealed himself to Mary, and he revealed himself numerous different times. And so now he has gathered all of the disciples together, and they're all there, and he commissions them with the greatest commission any of us could ever give. And he tells them to go and be a witness of what you've seen. Acts 1.8, he says, hey, here's the commission for you. I'm about to go, I'm about to ascend up into heaven, and now the mission that I came, and remember, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the mission of why he came. And now he's about to ascend, and that same mission, he is releasing that to the church, to the disciples. It's now their responsibility as disciples to now go and to be a witness, someone, you know what a witness is, someone who has seen or someone that could testify to what they have experienced, and they're supposed to go and be a witness of Jesus to the whole world. And in Acts chapter 1, you find that. Jesus is ascending, and then he says, as I go, you need to wait. Isn't it interesting that he told them to wait? After giving them the greatest commission that they could ever been, have ever been given, Jesus says, but first you need to wait for the Comforter to come. The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, uh, we see the, the Holy Spirit come through as a mighty rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit now indwells the believers. The reason why Jesus told them to wait when he ascended up into heaven is because he was reminding them that they can do absolutely nothing, nothing good in ministry without the indwelling and leading of the Spirit of God. And in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes and he indwells all of the believers. Thousands of people were, were saved as a result of this. And Peter preaches his very first sermon here in Acts chapter number 2. And we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 38, as Peter is kind of uh, in this sermon and he is challenging all these people who just witnessed, who had just witnessed this incredible, incredible thing uh, where the Spirit is indwelling them. So he says this, verse number 38, then Peter, he said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive, here it is, the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. He goes on, for the promise is unto you. That promise is the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the promise that, that Jesus, when he was ascending, that's the promise that he left to them. That's the comforter that he promised to them. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall 
call. With many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The gift of the Holy Ghost. If you believe, if you repent, Peter was saying that you can experience and have the gift, the gift that God has given us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to look at that gift briefly. Now, in Scripture, there's a lot to do with the Holy Spirit. In fact, um, sometimes we, especially in our Baptist churches, we get a little nervous when we talk about the Holy Spirit, don't we? Get a little nervous because we're a little, you know, concerned. We don't want to be associated with maybe a charismatic movement over here or something like that. So we get a little concerned when we start talking about the movement of the Holy Spirit or the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you this. I think a lot of us probably would have been very uncomfortable with the early church. And I want you to know something, that the Holy Spirit is indwelling every believers. So if you're in here today and you say, I have trusted in Jesus as my Savior, I've trusted in Him, I've stopped trusting in myself, and He is my Savior and my Lord. If that's you here today, then you, the Scripture says, have the indwelling Spirit of God. Okay, you have the indwelling Spirit of God within you, and the Spirit does a bunch of different things. We can look at these, and I'm going to try to boil it down to two specific things that we see here in this text, but I want you to know the Spirit is what comforts you. That's why He's called the Comforter. The Spirit is what comforts you. The Scripture also says the Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for you. The Spirit also, He does a bunch of different things. He reproves, or you could say it, He convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is what is leading you to do what you know to be right. Okay, He's the one who is leading you to not do what you know is, is wrong. You see, that voice inside of you, that's not your conscience, that's the Holy Spirit leading you and convicting you of what is right and what is, what is not right. He does all of these different things. But here, when Peter is talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, he mentions two specific things that I want to kind of zero in on. Um, and he mentions a couple of things. The first one is good news to you. It is this. It's found in verse number 39. And it's this. The Holy Spirit is a gift that is offered to everyone. The Holy Spirit is a gift that is offered to everyone. Look at verse number 39 of our text. He says this, for the promise, that's the Holy Spirit, that's, that's the promise of salvation, what Jesus coming to be born, this is the promise that we have here. For the promise 
is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall, uh, shall call. Now, his phrasing there is so, so important, so I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to get ahead of yourself because I know that verse number 42 to 47 you could probably almost quote because we talk about it all the time about the church. And this verse is kind of tucked right there in the middle. But this is so important. He says, for the promise, that's the Holy Spirit, is unto you. So we have to understand who's Peter talking to. Who's Peter talking to? Peter's talking to a bunch of people. Here's why the people were gathered to begin with on Pentecost. They were gathered there to celebrate one of the Jewish feasts. And so here's what I want you to understand is that all of these people, there was a lot of religious people that were there that day. There was a lot of religious people that were trusting in religion and trusting in good works and trusting in living by the law and trusting in you know dotting all of your I's and crossing all of your T's. They were trying to do do all of these things right, and those people were, were in the audience. And Peter says this, that the promise is for you. It's for, it's for you. I want you to know. It's for the religious, but it's also, he says this, it's to your children. It's for your family. The, the promise that, that God and the gift that God has freely offered to you, it's not you know, for uh, just certain people. It, it's for the kids. That's why, we, that's why we believe in kids' ministry here at Union Grove. That's why we have kids' ministry. That's why we put kids up on a stage like last night and so that they could sing, so that we could teach them that the promise and the gift of God is for them. It's for them. And it's also for for you, you see, the gift of God is freely offered to all of us. But, but he goes on here and he says, but the gift of God, it's, it's unto you, it's to your children, and then this is the good part. And it's also to everyone that is afar off. Now, this could mean a, a couple of different things. Jesus, when he came, he changed everything. And so before Jesus, in order to have a relationship with God, you had to become Jewish. You had to be a part of Israel. And you had to do that. And then when Jesus came, it changed everything and it paved the way for not only the Jews to be God's chosen people, but now all of us, Gentiles, everybody else that was on the outside looking into the nation of Israel during that day, Jesus coming to be born changed everything for them. And so what Peter was saying is this, not only is the promise and the gift that God has blessed you with, it's not only for Israel, it's not only for the religious, it's not only for your families. Hey, all of you Jews that are looking at me that have gathered together to celebrate this, this feast that we're, the way we come to commemorate, it's also for all of those that are afar off. Everyone that's not gathered together to celebrate a Jewish feast because they're not Jewish, it's for all of them. All the Gentiles that are outside of our community, it's for them as well. It's for the whole world is what Peter is saying. Listen, I'll tell you this, it's for, it's for you. It's for your neighbors. It's for the person that, that you don't like. It's for your enemy. It's for all the people in the entire world. It's not just for a certain group of people. The gift that God has offered to every single one of us, it is for 
everyone, to everyone that believeth. It's for those who are religious, it's for our families, but it's also for all of those that are afar off. And by the way, you might have slipped in here, I don't know your testimony here today, but you might have slipped in here today and you are afar off. You might characterize yourself as, man, I'm far from God. I've ran from him. Maybe, maybe at some point in your life you were walking with God and, and you had a relationship with him and, and then maybe you, you got into a different crowd of people or, or maybe you just got busy doing a lot of things and, and you slowly found yourself slipping out and going the opposite direction and you would say today where I'm at right now is I am so far from God, I don't know if I can ever find my way back to him. Or possibly some of you are in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior at all. And you don't have a relationship with God. And maybe you've been trying to trust in your good works or trust in religion and trust in being at church when the doors are open and trust in all of these things. And there's nothing wrong with some of those things. But I'll tell you this, if you're trusting in those things to reconcile your life to a holy, righteous God, you're always going to fall short. And here's what the scripture says. The gift that God is offering to us this Christmas season, it's a gift that is freely offered to everybody, to all of us, to every single person in this place. It's not just a certain group of people. It's not a certain race of people. It's not a certain classification of people. The gospel is for every race and every tribe and every tongue. And that's one of the reasons I can't wait to get to heaven where we're gathered around the throne of God, looking our Savior in the face and singing, worthy is the Lamb with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Sometimes here in our communities, we think it's just for English-speaking American people, right? And I'll just tell you this, the gospel is for all people. It's for every single person in our community. That's why our church, we are a church for the community, we should reflect, if we're reaching our community, our church should eventually, if we're accomplishing the mission God's called us to, it should reflect the community in which we live. There's rich people in the community, there should be rich people in our church. There's poor people in our community, there should be poor people in our church. There's white people in our community, there should be white people in our church. There's black people in our community, there should be black people in our church. You see, the point is, is that for us, the gospel is not for people that just look like you and who are exactly like you. The gospel is for everybody, and that's what Peter was saying here in his sermon, is he's saying, hey, the gospel, the promise, the gift, it's unto you. It's unto your family, but it's also to everybody else on the outside that would consider themselves afar off. It is for all people. That's the first thing that we learn about the gift of the Holy Spirit from this text. But the second thing that I want you to get is this. The Holy Spirit changes our behaviors. Listen, when you receive the gift of God and you receive the gift that he's freely offered to you, and by the way, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, let me just say this, is that you don't have to work to get any of it. That's the best thing about the gift right? It's not up to your life. It's not up to your achievements. It's not up to your good works in order to inherit the gift that he's given you. No, it is freely offered to you. It is freely handed for you. All we have to do is believe and receive. 
That's all we have to do. You have to believe that Jesus is who he says he was. You have to believe that Jesus came to die for you when you could not pay the penalty that you deserved. He came to die in your place. And when you receive that and you trust in him and stop trusting for in yourself, you receive the gift that he has given you, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He comes to indwell in you. And here's the thing. That gift, the Holy Spirit, it changes our behaviors. You see that right here. And I think the progression is important. Verse number 20, 41, verse number 41 says, they, all the people there, they received the word that Peter had just pre- preached. They were baptized and they were added unto the church. So they, they become, you know, members, they become, they receive the gift. They believe and receive the free gift that he has given them. And then verse number 42, everything about them changed. He says this, and they, that's all these new people, all these people, People that were religious, you know, their families, maybe some kids in the audience got saved that day. And then even some that were afar off, right? All of them, everyone that believed that day, they continued steadfastly. Now, that that just means that they were devoted. They were focused. They weren't distracted, right? Our churches today have become so distracted with other things. And we have lost sense of the reason of why churches exist to begin with. And here we see that the gift of the Holy Spirit, it changed everything about him. You say, what did it, what did it change? Verse number 42, the first thing that you see change, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Here's the first thing, is now because of the gift of the Spirit in your life, we now desire biblical teaching. Or you should desire biblical teaching. It says this, that all those people that believed, here's what changed in their life. They now started wanting to get together to continue steadfastly in doctrine. In doctrine. You say, okay, what is doctrine? Simply means teaching. Simply means teaching. Here's the point, is that here, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, it changed their behavior to now They wanted to come together to receive the word of God. They wanted to gather together to study the word of God. Think about how far we've come in our churches today. Listen, I'm not here to harp on anything. I'm not here to make you feel bad here today. But I'll tell you this. We have come a long way from what you see here in Acts chapter 2 when it comes to our intake of the word of God right? We, we struggle, you know, getting to church sometimes once a week, don't we? A lot of us. We struggle with kind of going a little bit deeper into biblical teaching like, like the early church did, right? We can only handle so much. I, I know, I think it's funny, is a lot of times here in our churches, we think, you know, if you talk to most church experts, about 60 to 80 minutes is about all you can do a church service a lot of times because that's about all that our people can handle, Right? right? We are, we've come so far from where they were. Because here in the early church, what happened is those that believed, those that received, were given the gift of the Spirit. And here's what that led them to. We can't get enough of what is in this book. We can't get enough of it. 
We want to continue gathering together. Let's get together more. Let's don't talk about having less. Let's talk about getting together more. Let's don't talk about sometimes, you know, like, hey, how can we skip this week or how can we skip that? No, let's talk about how we can study the Word of God more. That's what you see in the early church. You find that in Acts chapter 11. If you remember Barnabas and Saul, right after Saul, uh, right after Saul, um, or, you know, he got saved, changed his name to Paul, and, uh, and Barnabas comes to Tarsus, and he's looking for Saul. And Paul, and he's looked for, can't find, finally founds him, and he begins to disciple him, and he helps everybody receive him because people were scared of him because at one time they were, you know, he's killing Christians. I'd be scared of him too. I don't know if I'd allow him to serve in my church. And, and here he comes, and, and Barnabas pulls him aside. And you know what they do together is they take a year to study the Word of God together before Saul and Paul is used in ministry. Can you imagine studying the Word for a, a year? And then Acts chapter number 20 Paul was preaching, and you know what it did? It says he preached till midnight, right? Preached till midnight. Could you imagine being in that service? We can't, we can't get our kids quiet, can we? Right? I just wonder how many times they went to the, you know, if I had my kids in the room, I wonder how many times they would probably go to the bathroom during that service, right? Over and over. Listen, midnight, all I'm saying is this, is that one of the things that the gift of the Spirit changes in your life it's you should desire the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God. It should be something that you look forward to, something that you crave, something that you want more of. And listen, we give you opportunities. One of the best ways for you is, is jump into a Bible fellowship class. Like, we, we talk about that all the time. And, and listen, some of you, you, you haven't jumped into a Bible fellowship class. We're not just saying get into one because we have nothing else better to say on Sundays. The reason why is we want you to receive more teaching of the Word of God and to be in community with other people. That's what the early church was for. We have Wednesday nights. That's an opportunity that we have Bible studies for your kids. What a missed opportunity if we're not trying to have our kids there. No, it's an opportunity for you so that you can teach your kids more of the Word of God. And that is a, a response to the gift and receiving the gift. You're going to desire biblical teaching. I think about our, our church studied Nehemiah several months ago. And it always amazes me is, is Nehemiah, and we know the story, Nehemiah came to rebuild the walls uh, there in Jerusalem. And when he came back, everything was in you know, disarray. And, and so he felt compelled by God to be a part of rebuilding the nation of, 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 of Jerusalem there, that city. And so he put up the walls and, and really restored so much of the city. And here's what the people did. And by the way, the book is more about uh, rebuilding the people of God than it is the, the city of God. But here, I'll tell you this, is all the people that, that God used Nehemiah to, to speak to and to restore, you know what they do? They go to Ezra the prophet, and here's what they do. They beg him to get them together and read the, the Torah or the Pentateuch, is what they did. They gathered him together. They're like, hey, listen, all we want you to do, we're going to come. All we want you to do is read the Word of God to us. First five books of the Old Testament, so he just started, started reading through it. And that's what they wanted more than anything else. Listen, the Word is the most important thing. By the way, the power does not lie in your pastor. 
The power is not in me. Like, I know we want to grow uh, this church, and, and we want to reach more people. We want to grow this community. And, and listen, I know many of you, you, you mean well, but you, you think that, like, I or our staff is the answer to that. We're not. You know what the answer is? It's the power of God moving through the power of the Word of God. That's where the power lies. Every single week that I get up and share God's word, I'll just tell you right now, is I just, all the pressure is off of me. All I have to do is communicate exactly what God has for me. And when I come off the platform, whether it did anything in your life today, is up to you receiving and allowing the power of God through the word of God to do something in your heart. You see, that's where the power lies. It's in the word. And you see, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it gives you the desire for biblical teaching. Number two, it gives us the gift of now we want to embrace church community. We want to embrace church community. And I love this passage so much because it speaks to the church so much. And I've spoke to this uh, uh, to you before, but if you look in verses 46 and 47 here and they, that's all those people, you know, the ones afar off and, and the, one, the religious crowd and their families who had just received, the thousands of people that had just received. Now they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat of their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as it should be saved. Listen, I want you to know the early church had favor with its community. And here's why. You say, why in the world did the early church have favor with its community? It's because what was happening within the congregation was different, in fact, much different than what was happening outside of the congregation. Say, say what do you mean? Is there was a different way that people were treating one another within the congregation that everybody on the outside was looking in saying, wow, something's different about that. I wonder what everybody that drives by here thinks of us. I wonder what our community thinks of Union Grove Baptist Church. I wonder what, you know, people that drive by or hear of our school and, and the ministries that we have here, I wonder what they think of Union Grove. Because here, the reason why this church had favor with its community is because they were acting and behaving in a much different way than those outside of the church. That's why the scripture, when it talks about the church, it talks about the one another's, right? We should submit to one another. We should forgive one another, right? Like the scripture says, that the church community, that's how we should, we should act for, with one another, right? And, and that's the point, is, is when we are functioning that way, and the local New Testament church is acting and behaving that way, it says something to all the community around. As they look at us and they say, wow, there's something different about the way they treat each other, because that's not the way that I treat people on the outside. But listen, I've been a part of a Baptist church my whole life. And when I read stuff like submit one to one another, here's what that means for Baptist a lot of times. I will submit as long as the person across from me looks, believes, behaves, and wants the same exact thing that I want. Because if they don't, 
that verse doesn't apply to me. It got real quiet there, didn't it? Yeah. Listen, I've been, I've been, and I know all about how Baptists, or how about this one, forgiving one another, right? We struggle with that in Baptist churches. People hold on to stuff. People try to make things right, and, and, and they don't want any part of it. They'd rather bury things than forgive and face things. And I'll tell you this, stuff like that, that's the point of why we should be functioning. And the gift of the Spirit is what changes. Or how about this one? Encourage one another. Or, or here's, here's a good one. Restore one another. That means that if somebody falls in our midst, instead of casting and throwing stones and bringing them up here to try to make them, you know, a public example in front of everybody else, why don't we do what the Scripture says the church should do, and that's restore somebody? You see, the point is, is that's why they had favor in their community, is because what was happening inside the walls of the church was much different than anything that was happening outside the church. They accepted one another. They cared for one another. They bear one another's burdens. They carry those. You see, the point is the church community should function differently. And for us that have received the free gift, the gift that's offered to everyone, the Holy Spirit, it changes to where now you should crave biblical teaching. You should embrace and desire community the way that the Scripture says. But then in verse number 44... It says not only that, the Spirit, the gift of God, the comforter that he promised, when they received it, it, they got unified around the mission of God. Verse number 44 says, All that believed were together and they had all things common. This is why I question if this was a Baptist church sometimes. I'm thinking, man, it's very rare to find a Baptist church that have all things in common. And that's focused on the same thing. We can hardly agree sometimes on, on you know, productions and carpets and colors and, and music and songs and, and everything else that we want to divide over and that we get all upset about because it doesn't meet our criteria of how everything should go. I want you to understand something. And if you're challenged today, that's probably a good thing, okay? And I want you to understand something, that the early church, when they received the Holy Spirit into their life, they had all things common. Now, were they different people? Of course they were. Did they have different preferences? Of course they did. Did they see some things differently from time to time? Of course they did. But here's what they did. Everything that they saw differently paled in comparison to the main Thing of reaching people with the gospel and taking the mission that God has led for them to take, everything paled in comparison to that. In other words, the mission got way more important to them than their preferences. And that's where a lot of times we go wrong. You see, the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, it drove them to be changed and to have different behaviors to where they unified around the mission. Or how about this, verse number 45, they practiced generosity. So we see that when you receive and believe on Jesus, you're given the gift of God. The gift of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes into your life to indwell you. And now because of that, you can now crave and desire biblical teaching of the Word of God. You want it. You're looking forward to it. You now embrace church community the way that the early church embraced it. 
You unified around the mission of God. That became the main thing that you are unified around. And everything else is secondary to the mission of God. And then in verse 45, they practiced generosity. Look at what they did. They, when the Spirit came into their life, they sold their possessions and goods. And what they did was they parted them, everything that they sold, they parted the money to all men as every man had, had need. In other words, they'd sell their possessions to meet the needs of the people around them. Here's what that tells me. The needs of other people in our community should mean more to you than what you own, than the possessions that you have. That's, that's tough, right? Because I, I know I love possessions. I love things. I love all of that stuff. But listen, when there's a need in our community, the early church, here's what they would do. If somebody came forward and said, man, I have a need, got laid off my job, and, and now I don't have any money, and I'm trying to provide for my family, here's what the community would do. Oh, well, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I got, I got excess over here. Let me go sell something. I'll bring the money back to you, and we're going to part it to everybody that had needs. I got too many you know, cars, I got too many TVs, I got too many belongings, I got too much stuff over here. And so let me, let me get rid of some things over here, and I'm going to take all that money, and I'm going to part it to those who, have, who have, have needs in my community. That's what the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, that's what it does for you. It's what it does for me. It changes us to where now we want to practice radical generosity. And this is not a giving sermon. This is not, hey, make sure you tithe. That's a part of it, and that's a biblical principle. But that's not what we're talking about here today. What I'm talking about is meeting the needs of the people around you, the people in our community. It's like we should be the first ones, not the last ones, that people should ask when they have a need in front of them. You see, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, it changes our behaviors. It's a free gift offered to everyone. And then I want you to see this in verse number 47. The Holy Spirit is the power to grow the church. The Holy Spirit is the power to grow the church. I can't say this enough. It's not in me. It's, it's not even in. I, I believe in strategy. I read a lot of books and, and stuff like that. But I'll just tell you this. It's not even in a church growth strategy. There's a lot of people who have a good strategy of building a large group of people that might not function as a church, okay? But the power to grow the church the way that God intended for it to be grown is not in a strategy or an idea or in a person or in a really good staff. The power lies within the Holy Spirit moving through the Word of God. That's where the power is. Verse number 41 says that there was added 3,000 souls. Verse number 47 says people were added daily to the church. Chapters 3 and 4, you know the story. The layman gets healed as Peter and John are going into the temple. After that, people are questioning them. They preach a sermon. 5,000 people got saved and added to the church. The point is that the early church grew. It grew. It added. It multiplied. But I cannot stress to you enough that the power to see all that come to life, it's not in us. It's in the Word of God, and it's in the gift that has freely been offered to every single one of us. It's in the Spirit of God for us to multiply. You see, here, as we kind of wrap this up, the gift of God, 
Jesus, what we celebrate this season, what we celebrate Jesus coming to be born, it changed everything. It changed everything for you. It changed everything for me. And that's what you see here in Acts chapter 2. The gift of God, of the Spirit of God. He's given us this. And now if you would stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in Him, the one that was sent to us to rescue us from the sin debt that we could never be rescued from any other way. If we but trust in Him and receive Him, His free gift, you then get the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, indwelling your heart forever. Forever. And once you receive Him, once you believe on Him and you receive Him, He changes everything. He changes everything. He changes your behaviors. When you're being led by the Spirit of God, He changes your behaviors. He changes what you desire. He changes what you crave. He changes what you look for in a church. He changes everything. So my question is for you today, have you accepted the gift? Have you accepted the gift? 